get opened up here. You know, I was thinking about the Lord just now. We we're singing. It's, first of all, it's wonderful to see everybody here today. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm blessed to see each and every one of you. And yeah, amen. So, um, thinking about the Lord and all we sang about him just now and how amazing he is. He's the, the Lion of Judah. He's awesome. He's wonderful. And, and he's the one who's worthy to open that scroll. Not another one of us could do it. So I'm grateful for him today. I'm grateful to the Lord. And I want to talk to you a little bit today about some of his words. You know, he was a radical in his day. He, he said a lot of disturbing things, and he, he said himself he came to divide. And he came to shake, shake up man, shake up the culture, and he's still shaking it up today. And I just want to share with y'all some of, some of his words. I, I tried to name this sermon, but I, I hadn't been able to come up with a name. Maybe I will by the end here. But it was just a lot, and I... I I, I struggled because I said, Lord, I want to say what you want me to say, not a single word of my own. And so let's just dive in. So in Matthew chapter 5, he decided, Jesus decided he was going to have a little talk on a mountain one day. And it starts off saying that, I, and seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Number one, in verse three, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit. And we, we need to get our mind around, what does this mean? The poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For so long, the Lord has been dealing with me on our kingdom culture, and the kingdom is here. The kingdom is now, and that we are subjects of the kingdom. We're ambassadors. We are aliens in a foreign place because the king that we serve is of another uh, realm. It's a heavenly realm, and, and we've got to get our mindset on where, what, what he taught and what he spoke, and it's radical to this day and age. It's radical to any kind of a worldview that you might hear when you are out in the world or whenever you subscribe to anything that they say. This is going to seem radical. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. What is the poor in spirit? Whenever I think of the poor in spirit, it's whenever you have the kind of mentality, you have the understanding at how poor actually you are in spirit and your great need for your creator. Your great need. Because within yourself, you do not have enough within you to gain eternal life. It's without him that we find out that we are nothing, that we are humble. And we got to come to that place of humble humility that it's not by my works that I've been saved. There's not a single good deed that I could do that wouldn't be counted as filthy rags. But within myself, I have to humble myself and become 
poor in spirit, humbled. Humility will go a long way. And it's just beginning to see the actual poverty that we have within ourselves without Christ, without Jesus Christ. Poor in spirit is whenever you begin to see, you begin to understand that you are imperfect, that you're in need of a Savior, that you are in need of Him. After you, have, you come to Him, come to Christ, your need and your realization becomes even more overwhelming that day by day I need my Jesus. Day by day I need my Savior because He's my all in all. He is wonderful. He is amazing. He's everything that I need, and within myself, I come up empty-handed. And it's not unlike whenever he talked about the parable in Luke 18, starting with verse 9. He, Jesus said he spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Who's here today? Have you ever trusted in yourself and in your own righteousness? Well, this parable is for us that's ever believed that or, or may even continue to believe that. And, and generally, whenever you are that person, you trust in yourself and your own righteousness, you despise others. Have you seen that lately in this world? People who despise others. He said that two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector the most hated and dreaded job. No one liked the tax collector. Everyone hated them. But the Pharisee stood in the front of the building, in the front of the church, and he began to pray himself. And he said, God, loudly, I thank you that I am not like these other men. I thank you that I'm not like the extortioners and the unjust and the adulterers and even as this tax collector over here. In verse 12, he said, I fast twice a week and I give all the tithes that I possess. I give everything. But the tax collector who was standing far off, he would not even so much as raise his eyes to heaven. But he began to beat his chest. And, and, and this was a sign that he's unworthy. I'm unworthy. He began to beat it and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than that other one who had stood and said, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like these other people. But he beat his chest. He cried out to the Lord. He, he cried out, and, and he didn't exalt himself, but instead he humbled himself. He became poor in spirit. He had that realization of who he really was. He was the very opposite of that Pharisee who was puffed up and full of himself, but rather he was emptied out. Coming to a place where you become emptied out is when you become poor in spirit. And what is the promise for the poor in spirit is that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The, the second one Jesus said is, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Who, who's ever felt that heaviness and that grieving? Jesus is saying that there's a blessed mourning. There's a blessed grieving. Whenever you begin to grieve, you begin to mourn, you begin to even wail and just cry out because of the heaviness. And there's no comfort that you can find in this world. There's no comfort that you can find in things or in the philosophies of men. But that only comfort that you can get is from the comforter. And that's the Holy 
Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Word says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that you sent to us to comfort us, to, to, to give joy for mourning and beauty for ashes. That's our comforter. The third thing that Jesus talked about on that mountain that day, he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And that meek, that's, that's like it, whenever, you, whenever you're meek, you approach situations with this quietness, this gentleness, this understanding, waiting for wisdom, waiting for the Lord to give you the download on how to deal with something. Whenever you approach people and you have that meek heart that Jesus even had, and you begin to have the compassion for them, and you see them in their pain and in their suffering, rather than standing like that Pharisee, and saying, I'm glad, Lord, that I'm not like them. But where's our compassion at? That we begin to see the hurting. We've got to see the hurting. And we've got to look at them from a standpoint of love. Of love. And Jesus was so specific on what he was looking for. And there's some people that have, they naturally just have a meek disposition. They have a meek personality. They're quiet. They're calm and all that. But for all the rest of us that are, we just weren't naturally born that way, we need some love to help us. We need some of the love of God to help us become meek meek in every situation. And, you know, if you look at uh, one, somebody who started off as a Pharisee, but he got demasked on the road to Damascus, you know, he started off like that Pharisee who had so much hate and revile for others that were not like him, that he thought were not as good as he was. And he even set out to murder them. But he went on the road one day and, and he had, uh, you know, like a face-to-face -face with this Jesus that I'm talking about who had this talk on the mountain. He had a face-to-face -face with him and he turned from his wicked ways and he became that meek with love. And this is what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love. I become like a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I've got the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could remove mountains, but I don't have love, then I am nothing, nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and I give my body to be burned and I have not love, I am nothing. It profits me nothing. Love suffers long. Love suffers long and it is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself and it is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked and it thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there's prophecy, they will fail. Where there's tongues, they will cease. Where there's knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. Love. Love conquers all. Love is the missing link, I'm telling you right now. The fourth 
thing that he talked on this mountain. And he said, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We're not hungry enough for righteousness. We're not thirsty enough for righteousness. Because if we were, then you would see it. We would be the arm of the Lord in the midst of the chaos. We'd be operating. And I want to take you to Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51, the Lord says, listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. When you're hungry for it, when you're thirsty for it, you're going to follow after it. I just reminded somebody the other day about a good old Texas saying, or maybe it's the South, I don't know, uh, that if if, uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. If they're thirsty, what do we say about our kids? If they're hungry, they're going to eat. We can't try to make them eat. Who's hungry and thirsty after righteousness, you are going to follow after it. But Isaiah says, listen to me now, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you are hewn and to the hole of the pit from where you were dug. That's that meek and pure and uh Uh, poor in spirit. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone, and I blessed him, and I increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He's the comforter. He will comfort all her waste places. He'll make her wilderness like Eden. He, He And her desert's going to be like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Now the Lord says, listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, O nation. O nation, listen to me. For the law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light of the people's. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. Pay attention to this. My arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait upon me, and on my arm they will trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish away like smoke, and the earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be abolished. Listen to me. To know my righteousness, you people in whose heart is my law, do not fear the reproach of men, nor be afraid of their insults. For the moth will eat them like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation to generation. Come on, to generation to generation. That's his righteousness. Now listen right here when he transfers his righteousness to us in verse 9. Awake, awake, and put on strength, O arm of the Lord. O arm of the Lord, awake up, O arm of the Lord, the arm of the Lord. Awake is in the ancient days, in the generations of old. And, and you, are you not the arm that Rahab cut apart? Are you, and, and that, are you not the arm that wounded the serpent? O arm of the Lord, that's who I'm talking to right here. 
O arm of the Lord, you wounded the serpent. Are you not the one who dried up the sea and the waters of the great deep? Are you not that made the depths of the sea of a road for the redeemed to cross over? So the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. With everlasting joy in their heads, they shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. For even I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you who should be afraid or of a man who will die and the son of a man who will be made? Made like grace, like graft. And you forget the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor. You've been walking in fear because whenever it, it, the part, the one, when he prepared to destroy you, and where is that fury of the oppressor? Where is it? Will the captive exile hastens that he may be loose, that he should not die in the pit, and his bread should not fail? But I am the Lord your God. I'm the Lord your God who divided the sea and whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name, and I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered... Raise your hands. Come on. I have put my words in your mouth, and I've covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. Now, y'all might have said, wow, that's a lot of scripture, Londa. But you know what? My words are worth nothing. I want to put the word of the Lord on you today. And the fifth thing that Jesus said whenever he was talking on that mountain, he said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Mercy. Psalms 37 says that the wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives mercy. We are a people of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I need some mercy. I can't walk and not give any mercy and expect to get mercy. It does not work that way. That's part of the recompense of the Lord. The recompense, look that up and study it. The recompense is the paycheck that you get for what you're doing. The recompense. Death is going to pay out death. Life is going to pay out life. Love is going to pay out love. The recompense of the Lord. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Those whose thoughts dwell on evil, on hate, on destruction are going to reap that. But those whose thoughts dwell on the Lord and they delight in the Lord and their heart is set to the righteousness and the good of the Lord and want the Lord and they seek after righteousness and who do not love the wicked, do not love the hate, do not fill their hearts up with degrading thoughts and plans for evil and wickedness, they are the pure in heart. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy. If there was a reason that Paul needed to say that, then there was a reason that it must have been trying to coexist. It's claiming I got love, 
but all my actions and all my words and all the things that I, I put out for the public are so full of hate. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. And then the seventh one, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. They're not the ones that are out there looking for a fight. They're not. They're the people who seem to walk through this world, and no matter what they encounter, what kind of discord or disharmony or hate, they're able to bring peace to a situation. You got to have the love of God and the presence of God, and you got to be actively seeking his righteousness, hungry and thirsty for it, to be able to have that, uh, that presence about you of Holy Ghost and comforter that you can bring peace to a situation. God's calling the church to bring peace to our situations, bring peace to it. There's many ways that you can do it, but he said, blessed are the peacemakers. We bring peace to troubled waters. We bring peace. You know, we can say, peace be still, but if we're not being the peace, we're stirring up discord and hate. We got to watch it. We got to watch it. Romans 12 says, repay no one evil for evil. Now, remember, he's the Lion of Judah. He's the one that's worthy to open the seal. He was the radical who came and just messed up the current world and the Pharisees and all of the sanctimonious religious things going on at that time. And don't think that he's not still doing that. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will reap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but instead overcome evil with good. Now, blessed are those, this is a tough one, who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For what? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It starts off him saying, the promise was for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he wraps it up with theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the job assignment that no one wants. Who wants to be persecuted today? Not me. But he said it's going to come. It's going to come. He said we're going to have trouble. This is kingdom culture. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. And there's going to come persecution. But he goes on to say, Blessed are you when they revile you, they persecute you, they should say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. Now, it's interesting Lots of big-time preachers don't really like to preach on the Beatitudes. They kind of leave that for Sunday school. Let's just teach the kids that, and we'll just go on. Because it seems like it, maybe it's simple, but this is hard. 
This is some radical words, especially when we're faced with a lot of things that we're facing. It's, it, sometimes it's hard to give out mercy today. Sometimes it's hard to give out uh, uh, grace or love, to love my enemy, to feed my enemy, to give him a drink of water. But this is what our radical king, who we are in his kingdom, this is what he told us to do. Blessed are those who walk in the presence and the grace of God, and they're not speaking strife or hate, but they're bringing peace. They're peacemakers, peacemakers. That's what he's called us to be. And then he goes on to say, after he said all of these things that seem so simple, but they're actually quite radical. It's simple when you were sitting up on the mountain listening to it. Up on the mountain is the good times, right? Things are good and easy, and it's the blessing. And, but whenever you get down in the valley and you begin to go through some stuff and the world around you is in turmoil, can you remember that mountain talk that you had with Jesus? Can you remember it? Can you walk it out day by day? Because then he goes on to say in Matthew 5, he says, You are the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And the thing about salt, yeah, it's salty, and we like a little salt, and that's the flavor, and we say, yeah, we're bring, we are who brings the flavor to this earth. It's us, the people of God. But I'll tell you what salt is. It's a preservative. It's a preservative that keeps the decontamination and the decomposing. This is how, how they preserve food and meat. And if it did not have its salt, it would decompose on itself into a, a gross, filthy mess of dead. Salt is the preservative. The world needs you. You may think you want to separate yourself and stay away, but you got to be like Jesus and you got to get in the midst of it all and bring the salt to preserve because you are bringing life to the situation. You're bringing life to it. You're preserving it. You're, you're preventing further death. And then the next thing he said is that you are the light of the world. A city set on its hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and they put it under a basket. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. So I want to wrap it up with this. Everything that we're talking about, is a, it's a measure of grace that he gives us even to be able to do it. To be meek, to be poor in spirit, to not be puffed up, to chase after righteousness like I'm hungry and thirsty for it. It's his grace that comes to us that allows us to, to be transformed into a people of God who, who are this, that we're blessed and we're following after him and we're the salt and we're the light. It's grace. And I want to tell y'all that he's calling us, instead of being peacetakers, he wants us to be peacemakers. Instead of having pure hate, he wants us to have a pure heart. Instead of being hope robbers, he wants us to be hope dealers. Amen, Christine? 
Instead of being racist, he wants us to be gracious. Instead of looking at other people and saying, I'm going to take care of me and mine, and I don't want you in my life, he wants us to pour out some grace. Pour out some grace, even for an enemy, even for somebody who has persecuted you, reviled you, and said all manner of evil against you. Where's our grace at? He's calling us to be graces. He wants us to be instruments of love and not of hate. He wants us to be, instead of mercenaries, he wants us to be mercy carriers. Where's our mercy? Where's my, load, my basket of mercy? Because I've been given so much mercy. Who here agrees with me? Mercy, love, meekness, humility, all these things. He said in Isaiah 51 that you are the arm of the Lord. We are the arm of the Lord in the earth. And like my mom said when she ministered on Mother's Day, that we're God's mightiest weapon. We're his mightiest instrument. We are the arm of the Lord, extending grace and mercy and love and kindness and gentleness and hope. The world needs hope. And I just want to say today that there, the answer is in Jesus Christ. Whatever answer we're seeking for, it's in Jesus Christ. And you're going to find it when you, you may hear it when you're on the mountain, but I'm going to tell you that it wa- works when you're walking through the valley. It works at the lowest time, and he's there for us. He is the comforter. He brings joy. He replaces uh, joy, uh, your sorrow with joy, your, your mourning for joy, your, your ashes for beauty. He is the comforter. Thank you.